American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. We must take America back as liberty weeps. Shape, form, or fashion. This has to be done. So here we are, folks, with the Rebel and the Renegades here on the seventh day of January in the year of 2024. And we are tonight discussing, uh, you know, kind of an unusual circumstance in American jurisprudence, if we could call it that. But it certainly is amazing, I believe, considering all that is going on. In this country, and we look at the parallels, and we're seeing the parallels. And so, uh, let's uh, see. And yes, folks, I love that song. That song is fine with me. I do not consider that cursing, and I agree with uh, Sam on this issue. And that is uh, degenerate cursing and tasteful cursing. And that tasteful cursing is usually done spontaneously without plans. There's a big difference there. But anyway. Let's uh, jump uh, to our friend uh, Stephen Douglas Whitener. And Stephen, uh, your thoughts on what we've discussed so far, sir? Well, I wanted to go back to one thing Richard said about. Uh, Need a little louder, uh, buddy. I oh, can hardly hear you. Me, oh, let me, man. How's this? I don't know why I'm having such an issue with this. It keeps changing on me. Is this? Do you, do you guys hear me okay now? Yes, I hear you okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the little big horn custer's last stand the big deal there was that they were outgunned you know that that's they they had repeating rifles it was like somebody had given hamas javelins and or, or rods from god to, to to fight the israelis and then i was also thinking of the parallels between the reservation and gaza and all that too that while we were talking about this this issue anything that um, that that's one is one thing I thought of, and also if the Dakota Sioux win, what if they were to win? What would that mean for the rest of the tribes and the Cherokee and and whatever? I mean, what what, what would that mean? There's no way that could happen. It's always like I said. I don't know if I said this a while ago, but I was thinking if that happened, that they all sued, then we might have the military come back to the con U.S. again and, and do something here. It's probably still ignore the border, the real border. But you know, they'd go line up on the border of that land that somebody said was actually theirs. Yeah, that's what would probably happen. That's just kind of what I was thinking while we were while you were going through this, and that was fascinating. D.W. Thanks for telling me about that. I I, I don't. Uh, I remember some things about 
Crom read some things about Cromwell's and the, the the 1600s there. You know that's English Civil War, but that was happening in the 1500s. Is and well, like you said, that's well before there was any settlements in Virginia here. You know, well, I'm know. glad you mentioned Cromwell, Stephen. I mean, I, yeah, Stephen. I'm glad you mentioned Cromwell. I mean, even the British uh, post Cromwell, we know, had certainly been taken over more by these. Uh, banking uh, Talmudic elites, uh, quite frankly, and 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 it isn't even representing the the, the, the British uh, rule uh, over themselves, uh, the actions that they've done. But I don't know. I, I I'm uh, I, I, well come from immigrants on all sides. I mean, I'm Polish, uh, I'm French, and I'm Irish. Uh, but yeah, certainly not not British at all. Um, so I don't I don't, I don't think of them as but uh, certainly those nations, oh, England Richard, and France, were Richard. taken over uh, quite a while ago. D.W., yeah. yes, good to meet you, sir. Richard, yeah. yes, nice to, nice to speak with you. I'm uh, my, my better half of me is Irish, and uh, that's the part of me that likes to throw rocks and take on bullies. And um, uh, that's the Irish, that's the Irish spirit. And um, uh, they, it's, it's. It's part of what's kept the Irish alive up to today is that that identity and that fighting spirit of the Irish. They're they're a different people, and uh, so something interesting about Cromwell and it, it might be a little off topic, but uh, after Crom- prior to Cromwell, the British or the English didn't wear they weren't known as redcoats. And after Cromwell, Cromwell and after, they were known as redcoats. Red coats. They started wearing red coats after Cromwell. Now, what, is, what does that color indicate? <laughs> it, it, it goes to exactly to what you're talking about, uh, Richard. All right. Who, whose, favorite, whose favorite color is red? <laughs> Oh, well, uh, other than my uh, two-year-old uh, grandson, I'm not sure. Tell us, D.W. A communist. Well, oh, communist. no kidding. That's why the V.C. flag was red with a yellow star, huh? Uh, how, about, uh, how about the Chinese uh, Chinese flag? How about uh, the Bolshevik? Uh, that's, that's when they became the Redcoats and the, the Jacobin. So, uh, anyway, uh, there's a... There's, uh, you know, the continuity and, you know, every once in a while you get an opportunity to fill in little fill in little dots. I just wanted to say before uh, I, I, I wanted to bring something to everybody's attention on this uh, about I think it was probably four years ago. I was reading a series of articles about water rights and Indians and Indian nations and NGOs who were funding and working with Indian nation tribes to assert water rights and the United Nation and UNESCO's participation in trying to assist Indian nations in regaining uh, jurisdiction and authority over their land. You have actually uh, uh, NGOs, uh, and other corporate bodies and foreign bodies 
who are working with in, in Indian Americans to recapture their land. That isn't that, that interesting. Very much so. All right, Dave, your thoughts? Lucky. You with us, Dave? Oh, I am with you. I thought uh, Daryl started wanting to finish up something, though. Oh, did you? Uh, my my bad. Go ahead, DW. Uh, uh well, well, no. I, I guess I was done. You know, I kind of stutter. So go ahead, nah. Dave. Never happened. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> well, that's interesting about Cromwell. Um, there's that. That's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Hell, uh, all the things that. Um, Cromwell was involved in, and <laughs> a lot of strange things happened uh, under Cromwell. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I'll just leave it there. Let, let, why don't you uh, throw it back to someone else? All right. Well, let's go to Richard. Richard, would you like to summarize before we move on to another subject? I would just summarize. I well, the one other thing I was going to point out is, I mean, when we do have uh, Native American tribes given uh, the land reservations they have been given, uh, regardless of how how fair or not um, whomever involved deems those uh, negotiations to be, those agreements. I mean, they, they do have more sovereignty over their land than the federal government gives uh, most any of us uh, white men uh, of their, uh, allegedly of their nation who who, who, who reside here. And I mean, things such as the, uh, you know, the ability to with the casinos, you know, the, these, these different rules and, and, and laws, them having their own you know, jurisdiction. I mean, that's certainly not something they give out to, to us. So, I mean, it, it is interesting. I mean, to another uh, a tribe of the, of, of the past and that they're, they, you know, it shows we're not ruled by our own kind, frankly. You know, and, and that uh, those who rule over us are more willing to give uh, something legitimate, uh, giving of land and and free will and determination to to others than of of, uh, of of us. But of course, I wouldn't say that we're ruled by by white people, even for that matter. So yeah, that, that's all I wanted to add. Okay, all right. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Stephen. Yeah, that that's a good point there. Uh, um, this thing's been going on for a long time, you know. Who's uh, they don't let us have the same level of rights, and that's true everywhere. I would say, except for the Lakota Sioux, they don't have a casino that I know of. They are singled out more than any other because of their um, standing up. You know, I, I still think that this. Yeah, you can see that, th- and this. This government, this enforcer group of these people who rule us, not like you said, not the ones who are ruling ourselves, would send them there. That's that that that's what it looks like to me. And and you mentioned uh, before what would happen if they called uh, in the debt all of a sudden. You know, I mean, it just these people have too much power, man. It just 
and I remember something in 1973 that happened out there with the Lakota suit too. The American Indian was, wasn't it Russell Means and that I remember when that was going on at the time, and it was 70s. years. Yeah, a hundred years after the original Wounded Knee thing, mm-hmm. and that you know it it it's been going on a long time, and they still want their land. Well, I don't blame them. You know, I mean, even if they don't think they really own the land, this treaty should be honored. It's like. Uh, you only have two things in the world that you own, your word and your honor. That's it. That's that's my dad said that, and I've found it to be true. The older I've gotten, the truer it's become. Well, there are so many things there, you know, as we look at this and we, we try to understand especially. And that is that after the... Uh, well, in part in the Civil War, because uh, while uh, Lincoln was carrying on a war against the South, he was also carrying on a full-fledged war against the American Indian in the West mm. and in many locations. All right, here's the question that I have, and I would like to ask this question. We'll start with uh, uh, Scorpio being the farthest away. But, uh, Dave, uh, when we look at these, what are the similarities between the way that this federal government treated the people of the South and how it treated the American Indian. Your thoughts, sir? Well, that's a great question, and it really, I would say it's uh, a mirror image, essentially. Uh, Both conquered people, essentially, and they were treated like slaves, and um, they were uh, lied to and um, attempted to recondition or... um, alter their culture, um, you know, by social engineering and uh, just a a whole campaign of brutality towards every aspect of their of their civilizations. Well, very much so. Richard, your thoughts? Oh, well, certainly there's a strong parallel. I agree with David's point and I mean, we don't seem to have, again, you know, the interests of uh, the European people, uh, for that matter, in in mind uh, from these uh, internationalist communists, uh, basically, who were had such a stronghold in the northern states. Since you bring up the uh, pre-war of northern aggression era, and so. Uh, well, there was more representation, uh, really, of, of the people and uh, in, in, in their uh, leadership, uh, clearly in the South, uh, which which indicates how much the the South was um, less in line with the will of the bankers, uh, basically, than than the North. But I mean, certainly the Northeast, you know, I mean, to this day is a stronghold of of these uh Yes, these these internationalist uh, communists. Oh, well, many times over, and I think eventually we're going to be able to draw the uh, parallel. I'm not sure how many people will get to accept the truth. We know that doesn't happen very often. But, uh, you know, we do know that in America, you know, that the uh, first Bolshevik revolution was actually in America from 1848 to 1860. 
uh, and then uh, the war comes afterwards. And if you look at the any Bolshevik, any time the Bolsheviks take over, war is imminent. War is coming. And who are the Bolsheviks? Well, you know, let's just come right out and just say the truth. The Bolsheviks are the Jews, and they're the Jewish representation. The majority of them are, and that's just the way it is. And any time they get in control of anything, there's going to be a war, and there's going to be a deadly war with a lot of debt. And by the time the war is over, regardless of who it is, the participants, by the time the war is over, uh, the only people who profit from it are the international Jewish banking cabal. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Stephen? Yeah, over and over. They lather, rinse, repeat. That's been going on for a long time. You mentioned the the red coats. They were known as the red coats after Cromwell, too, a while back. Red Shield, too. You know that Rothschild and Red Shield. They that those they like red as well. And the Levelers were there with that thing too. So the commies go there, and just like you said, eighteen forty eight. They got run out of Europe, but then they came back again. Eighteen seventy, what happened with the Paris Commune after you know was that that was just that was kind of the way things are happening with our military now, or the way things were run there. That's very eerie parallel I see there too. And that Bolshevik army, I mean, it burned the South, raped and murdered a million black people dead on top in the. You know, the five years before, during and after that war and their contraband camps, not to mention all of the, the, the soldiers that were dead. And, you know, then they turned that to the West along that same army, that Marxist army that a lot of them didn't even speak English that came over here. And then just, you know, I guess they said, go on down there and take what you want, you know, welcome to America. And now we got them running in the southern border the same kind of way that that's another eerie parallel for me. Oh, man. Well, I totally agree. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Scorp? Well, Mike, um, your your thoughts are exactly right. Um, I thought you were just spot on with the uh, repetitive nature of this. You know, once, once these communist Jew types get into power, you're going to have a lot of deaths on your hands. You can count on that. And uh, I just uh, think that might be coming to this country sometime soon. We see it being repeated too many times for uh, us to feel very safe where we are right now, Mike. Well, Dave, uh, you're spot on, buddy, and that's one of the things, as I consider myself an amateur historian, but I think I've probably got more times, uh, more hours researching than uh, your standard uh, Marxist professor. But uh, even at that, the one thing that I know is that every time throughout history, Every time you let the international banking cabal, which is Jewish, every time you let them get involved with anything that resembles politics, war follows swiftly in its stead, and then comes massive debt, which the people can never extricate themselves from. And uh, so uh, your thoughts, Richard? Well, Richard must be busy. Let's jump to DW. Okay, go ahead. I feel like I already said quite a bit. I, I, I'm curious to hear more from DW. Uh, okay, well, let's flip it over to DW. DW, go, buddy. Well, the the, the parallels uh, are inescapable for me from what happened during uh, after the destruction, moving into Reconstruction. It's funny how you have to uh, destroy something before you can 
reconstruct it, right? And yeah, you, and the Indian, mm-hmm. um, yeah, right. Uh, sort of follows on that way, doesn't it? Anyway, the uh, the parallels are pretty obvious. One of them, uh, most importantly, is containment. You had to contain these people. Uh, you had to put them into uh, areas where they couldn't uh, move about freely, uh, limiting their liberty. Uh, that way you could observe them. Uh, you could uh, have control over them, uh, their food, their foodstuffs, their commerce, uh, whether they could have commerce or not. Uh, you disenfranchise their ability to make a living uh, the way the Indians would normally make a living or the way the South would have made a living. Uh, this, in fact, then changes the culture, changes the family dynamics between man and wife, son and daughter. Uh, it also imposes deprivation, causes hardship. This uh, results in more conditioning and subservience to the uh, the handout of uh, the federal government. Uh, in this way, it affects your religion. Uh, it affects, um, well, this is what happens after a revolution. And so the, the American Indians experienced a revolution uh, because it, it completely changed all the dynamics of their life, spiritually, religiously, financially, uh, culturally. And uh, and then you pass this on generationally. So this is a fantastic, wonderful uh, Bolshevik social engineering experiment with both peoples, uh, the Southern people uh, and the Indians. Of course, the North had already gone through it. You know, they were they they weren't immune to it. They they've been working on them for a long time uh, prior to the uh, war of northern aggression. So. Uh, and, and so when I look at it in these terms, I can see that at different stages through uh, since the, uh, the War of Northern Aggression, the Civil War, that at different periods of time, uh, um, like through the um, that period of the Spanish-American War, there was another uh, uh, cultural revolution that goes on and mythologies that are created. And then in the Roaring Twenties, you have more cultural degeneracy uh, going on. Uh, this is an this is an ongoing social engineering, cultural warfare perpetrated by political scientists. And um, so, um, you would think we would catch on. Okay. Really? <laughs> I mean, How many I, times? You would think. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. Uh, you you kind of. But you kind of have to break it down a little bit so that the you can see the patterns, uh, so you sort of bring them into focus. And so the 1920s and this cultural revolution sets up is a setup for the cultural revolution of the 60s. And what they learned in the 20s, they applied in the 60s. And this results in degraded families, degeneracy, and empowers government. And the bottom line, you can always tell, you can always tell who the cook is because, you know, they're uh, they're always the ones cooking, and that's that's the federal government. Um, and uh, so that's that's the parallels I see 
uh, Mike. It's inescapable, and it it actually absolutely I I gotta it's this is like you know low, low hanging fruit here. The the um, the the same dispensational idiology, idiotology and self serving uh, chosenite attitude that uh, was used in Palestine over those people is the same mentality that was used against the uh, American Indian uh, that this was a a really a land without real people uh, for and a and a land and a people that didn't have a land so they could create a civilization well that's just self-serving justification this comes out of Horace Greeley it's go west young man go west young man you're exceptional exceptional and indispensable and go build your future so that we can harvest your enterprise to build our empire I will be quiet now. <laughs> well, thanks, D.W. Oh, very well said. Uh, Scorp, you have any response to D.W.'s comments? Well, yeah, there are a lot of parallels there with uh, Israel, no question. And, you know, during the Nakba, you know, there was 100,000 people nearly were kicked out forcibly out of Haifa. And quite a few of those people ended up in mass graves. So, mm-hmm. uh it's really a shocking story, uh, but of course, you know, I think the further back in history we go, the more brutal human beings tended to be. And as we move forward, that kind of behavior is supposed to be a little less acceptable over time. And that's one thing that makes the dealings in 1948 in Israel so unacceptable is that uh, these were you know, these were actually people there. there was, the Haifa was a major city. It was almost completely emptied out. And, of course, many of those people that survived were put into the uh, giant concentration camp known as Gaza. And 60% of those people who live there actually have claims on land uh, with a title to the house and land that their family used to own that they're trying to get back. That's the other reason why war is being waged upon the Gazans so terribly. Not to mention the fact that there's a huge... uh, deposit of oil and gas right off the coast there and we're dealing with oceanfront property where uh, lots of pricey condos can be built and plenty of uh, uh, upscale resorts uh, could go as well kind of funny that you mentioned that dave when from the preface of our beginning here this whole story with the sioux or the lakota tribe out west centers around the land was theirs until gold was discovered on it then suddenly the government makes rules and says no it's not your land it's whoever gets there first is land as long as we say it's okay that's so, a good point and of course uh in israel uh you know we had uh, god acting as a real estate broker from three thousand years ago uh promising the land to the jews supposedly <laughs> and uh that's their uh uh, reason, look, it's in this book here. God said it's ours forever, no matter what. So get out. Uh, that that logic really doesn't fly too well in, in, in the world we have today, but that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Well, that is true. Uh, DW, your comments, sir? DW, you still with us? Well, there he is. Yeah, I just, I got to reach for my uh, 
my mic button there. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this this whole idea of dispensation. All right, this. Well, let, let's. I mean, let's break that word down a little bit because it applies to what's been uh, uh, used to rationalize and justify the American Indian, when has been the you know main topic of, of this evening. Uh, there's a dispensation; they have to be treated differently, and the other people get treated specially. And it, it's it's interesting that the the people that are chosen are the ones that do the choosing. <laughs> and, and this dispensation dispensation uh i i don't know how you understand it but exactly what it means is that other some people get treated special okay they they have different laws they have different privileges they have different benefits it's it's a it's a form of it's a it's a euphemism for uh uh uh, eugenics and racism uh, that that is that justifies uh, greed, theft, and criminality, and, and they mask it behind these these wonderful uh, uh, these these wonderful words, these euphemisms of chosen and disposition, and then in the federal government uh, uses they don't use those words uh, chosen disposition they they call it treaty and law. So. Ah, here's the music. We'll be back on the other side, folks. Stimulating conversation, and we'll jump into it even a little rougher. Support RBN, folks. Some would make him king. Others couldn't stand for that. The cross was a solution. Wise men follow him, they rose again. Wise men follow him. Thank God for the renegades. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest 
and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pastures meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free-range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Welcome back, everyone, to Republic Broadcasting Network. And, guys, it's just so hard to interrupt that song. I love that song. I loved it way back when. And it just wasn't played enough, in my opinion. But we're talking about the parallels here with the Lakota Indians of America and their lawsuit 
which the Supreme Court says, yes, the land is yours, but we're going to give you about one ten thousandth of what it's worth. And here, take this money and shut up. And I immediately saw the parallels between that because first became the the southerners were considered to be non-human and they were to be eliminated under this new bolshevik revolution and as dw so adeptly mentioned we also had the issue uh you know early on in the north because these marxists invaded the north first and we don't talk about that they invaded and conquered the north and took over its government started their own political party called the Republican Party in 1854, and they took over the North. But then when the war began, Lincoln knew right away that between the three border states, Maryland, Missouri, and uh, Kentucky, that he had no support whatsoever. I think Kentucky or or, uh, uh, Missouri won gave him the most votes of any of those three, and that was at like 6%. In uh, Maryland and uh, Missouri, they got, or uh, whichever one it was, uh, the other of the states, they got uh, Maryland uh, and uh, Missouri and, you know. So, wow, what a mess. Anyway, guys, I got my tongue tangled here. Uh, Dave, jump in. Help me out. Well, where do you want to take things? Well, uh, what I was looking at uh, there, uh, and uh, pardon me, but uh, I have this issue with the headaches lately. But uh, anyway, uh, the point was is that from the very beginning, this government has been totally and completely and entirely corrupt. And it hasn't been made corrupt by Americans. It's been made by people who don't even belong here in so many instances. I mean, so many things we can look at. If we want to look at Alexander Hamilton, he's a Jew. And he comes to America with a lot of money and a lot of support and ends up being on Washington's staff. Now, how does that happen in the real world? Well, we don't know. Right. And then we, then we look at 1848 and we look at the influx of Marxists, avowed Marxists. I mean, they're so proud of it. They join. They've got groups called communist clubs and they establish the Republican Party. Well, the Republican Party then decides to destroy the South down to, you know, killing everybody that's in the way. And, you know, even Sherman said so in a letter to his wife. Oh, we got to kill them all. Not just the men. No, the, the children and the women as well. We got to kill them all. Well, then they immediately, as soon as the Civil War was over, they turned that same philosophy on the Indians, the American Indians of the West. And when you go into the National Archives and you read reports from places you know, where the uh, Union Army went in and Custer's favorite tactic was hitting the villages when the men were gone because he thought that would bring the men out to do battle faster if they just completely destroyed the families. And that's that was Custer's modus operandi, and that's what he used. And that's what he thought he was going to use at uh, Little Bighorn and, uh, uh-oh, uh, recon work would have meant a lot there, uh, General Custer, which it wasn't. But now we're seeing these treaties, gentlemen, to where the federal government's having to deal with these. And how do we tie this in and how do we relate this to the mess that we're in now? 
Dave, you want to, uh, and then Dave, you also had another subject you wanted to talk about. So it's up to you, sir. Go ahead. Well, I, th- I think you're bringing some great points up, uh, and this touches upon what Richard was going with, and and um, TW as well. That um, so many of these problems are really being caused by these alien people uh, who um, really don't belong here. I, I think you really summed it up very well. And I've, I've always been curious about. Uh, General Sherman's background, um, that's a name that is reviled still to this day in many parts of the South, just the mention of his name. I've always wondered what his background was. I don't know much about him, but uh, just an absolute murderous monster in every um, in every sense of the word, Mike. Well, he... Uh you know, he was in a mental institution for a while, which qualifies you for uh, officer status in the federal army. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, DW, your thoughts, buddy? Well, it's, uh, I was just sitting back listening to y'all, and uh, it's interesting that they, every step along the way that Here's the contradistinction that I see. Every step of the way from the War of Northern Aggression, Civil War forward, there's this narrative that they try to take hold of and control in the propaganda that they're doing uh, God's work. And this is, they have God on their side. And that this is a, this is a, uh, Christian values is what we're doing and expanding on the land and and uh, the Indians are godless people and and this plays into the uh, the the <laughs> you have you have communist uh, Bolshevik strategists in control of the government utilizing Christian narratives in order to uh, you know. Uh, influence the people into what they're doing is the correct thing to do. And I just, that is so cynical. They were, they were, at, at least the, the Soviet Bolsheviks didn't make, didn't pretend to do that. At least they were actually more honest about what they were up to than the, uh, uh, the U.S. government going forward after the, after the Civil War. It's uh, it just sort of dawned on me how they used that when it was they used it to their advantage when when they needed to you know it's that situational ethics again so well appreciate that buddy appreciate your thoughts uh, Richard your thoughts sir well no certainly I mean this has been and. Uh, invading force and it's been going on for hundreds of years Um, so when we look at the crimes of you know these various nations I mean we have to remember it's it's not even uh, in in the name of of said peoples as far as the, the the reference I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes, there's a a strong element, the communist, uh, well, political strategy uh, has brought to the table. But I, I, well, I've heard it quoted that uh, communism is 
uh, political Jewry. I, I, I don't know. I mean, because well, I mean, honestly, the if you want to look look back, I think the the, the Talmud would probably be uh, you know the origin of of a lot of these manipulative um, practices um, and uh, pseudo morals, if you will. Uh, of course, the, the, the supremacist uh, sort of nature. But I mean, you know, employing the Christians, even if it's pre-Christian Zionism. I mean, the protocols people can debate till the end of time, but the, the Talmud is a little more concrete, and it's kind of undeniable uh, as, as as far as just being a template, you know, for this elitist uh, ideology. But really, uh, the financial global elite seem to take their lead from this. And, I mean, it does stem from what a lot of ancient um, uh, cult practices. I mean, I remember t- talking about this not, not that long ago around the holiday. I mean, you know, you have a lot of origins in, in Babylonian and the Dogon, you know, a lot, a lot of these sort of just, just, just very um, uh, primal ritualistic um, you know, so, sort of uh, focuses for their uh, their belief system, and uh, well, certainly we see the symbology all around us. You know, to to this day, um, including what uh, the the cartoons on uh, the, the Economist is it? Uh, you know, showing things into the future, or or people citing on on television shows, and and, and then this and that, Simpsons or what have you. Uh, uh, you know, so I don't know. There's a lot of occult. Uh, uh, in a lot of this as well. I, I figured I'd throw that out there. Oh, well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Some very good input. Uh, Stephen, your thoughts, sir? I've heard a lot of people speak in the last few days. Fear, you know, I can't say, I mean, like, that's going to be. Oh. Yeah, speak up a little bit there. It, it, how about now? Is that better? That's a little now? better. Better. I don't know why my audio keeps cutting out. Seems like some bug is in my phone. I can't hear now either. What? Come on. I can hear you okay. I can hear you okay. Go ahead, buddy. Stephen, can you hear me? Yeah. How about now? Am I there? Okay. Go ahead, buddy. Go I ahead. I apologize for that. I don't know why. There must be some bug here in my phone. I don't understand that it cut out before. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time, you know, just they keep you mentioned it before, though, inevitably there's a war and it gives me pause for what's going to happen next in this country when we realize who's in charge and what time it is, what kind of things are happening with us now, especially with what we talked about January 6th yesterday and how they are just saying what they say is the truth. And it doesn't matter if it's really it, it, if it's the truth or not. It's no defense. And and. What's going to happen next is not going to be good, I'm afraid, here. I don't know which way. There's no good way that this the next couple of years can go for the U.S. I can't think of a really good scenario. I mean, we, we tossed this around some yesterday, too, but it, it's ominous what what time it is, so to speak. You know, with their plan is echoing here again, like it echoed with Tian, from Tiananmen Square, too, like January 6th was like that. 1,200 people. I mean, 1,200 people been arrested, and they want to get – go after 2,000 more, and who knows what they have planned next. You know, it's just they always want more power. Never have enough, right? Never have enough. 
Well, looking at here's the thing I wanted from uh, you know thinking about all the brain power that's on this uh, roundtable, and we've got uh, you know a little over 15 minutes left or less uh, considering the break. So what I would like to get from you, gentlemen, each one of you, is to give me a synopsis of does this event with the Lakota Indians and their property, does this have any future in how things are dealt with in America considering the World Conservancy Bank, which now says that they hold possession of all of our national parks, and, uh, and this was established to cover the debt what are the international bankers going to do? Because stop and think about if this property was given back to the Lakota, where would all the people go? All the dispossession of property in that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of square miles. What is going to be done with that? And can the U.S. come out of this unscathed by simply telling the Lakota Indians either take the money or shut up. So your thoughts, Dave, your thoughts, please. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I, I think it was, it was one of you guys uh, talked about uh, building him a casino. That's been the uh, the uh, sort of modus operandi so far. Uh, just build him a casino and they, all the tribe members get a check from the casino and that seems to be a, a good method, but um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, they're not going to have any choice but to take the money. Uh, you know, it's like, what was the line from the Godfather? An offer they can't refuse. Um, my father sat him down and said that either their brains or their signature will be on the contract. I think it's going to go down something like that, Mike. I think you're right, buddy. I think as I looked at this today, I thought here is a dilemma that the federal government has gotten itself into that only has one avenue of escape. And I see that as them telling the Sioux, they thought, the, they thought the Lakota would jump on that money because most people usually do. And they knew that most of these people who had been involved in this suit had just been deprived of the property. They'd probably never lived on it. Some of them had, for sure, on the reservations, the various Sioux reservations, they had lived on it. But then again... I look at this and I wonder, how is this going to affect us moving forward? Because we're always thinking about, you know, that unintended consequence. Does this thing get enough American Indians in this country upset? Because we know that if they give this money, this uh, land back to the Lakota Sioux, they're going to get hit law with lawsuits from every Indian nation out there. Um DW, your thoughts, buddy? Well, I think uh, I think uh, it's a stroke of genius on the U.S. government's part. Uh, the U.S. government is just doing the work of the debt holders. The U.S. government's not. There's 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 nobody up there in the Bureau of uh, Land Management and, and the Executive Committee that is uh, orchestrating uh, the big picture here. This is a great way to uh, start the process of depopulating the land. You mentioned the Nature Conservancy. This is their long-term goals. It's also consistent with the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and putting, um, you know, hurting people into uh, extremely dense 
cities and re, uh, rewilding uh, the country. And this can all be done under the auspices of, well, you know, boy, it's really a shame, but see, we're doing the right thing here. And uh, uh, regardless of whatever happens, it's not going to affect the U.S. government. It'll still be exist. It'll, it'll still be doing fine. Uh, the thing I'm, I, I think I just want to remind people of when you're trying to parse through some of this as we go forward over the next couple of years is don't confuse the idea that the United States government is your country. They are what's destroying your country, and they will always benefit from whichever way this goes. So, well, absolutely. And uh, here, here's the thing I would like to hear you address, DW. The fact that I saw on their uh, documentary was they had fallen probably for the money, but they are pushing this white supremacy thing. Do you see anything that has happened to the American Indian as being white supremacy? Oh, uh, white supremacy. I don't know. I, I I really don't know how to respond to that, Mike. I don't. Uh, well, I, I don't either. I, really. only, the the only the only thing I can attribute white, you know, if I was going to define white supremacy, means that I get to be uh, everybody else's benefactor. Uh, if that's why, if that's what you mean by white supremacy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very so. much so. Okay, uh, and now we'll jump to Dave. Dave, your thoughts on the whole thing about the, uh, does it uh, intermingle with what we're messing with today? Well, that's a good question, Mike. And I think that, um, as you said, there's always a lot of unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we really are entering into a place where it's hard to cover things up. The same old tricks aren't working anymore. And I think the universe is becoming more or less predictable than it ever has been. So I think I would just leave it there. Well, good assessment. I think anything could happen, in other words. Well, I certainly have nothing to argue your point, uh, you know, on the contrary. Uh, Richard, your thoughts, sir? Excellent points uh, from all you gentlemen. And, I mean, I, I don't think they would want to risk setting a precedent of, of uh, if, if what you say will happen, will happen, that it'll be a, uh, a domino effect where you'll have all these other tribes, a uh, hundred, 500 possibly, uh, but certainly uh, uh, in, in the triple digits, well into the triple digits of uh, similar uh, uh, land and tribes. And, and, and they're, please, well, you see, I mean, on the international level, the United Nations um, and, uh, well, we've been hearing about Agenda 21 for decades. I first heard about it from William Cooper's Behold the Pale Horse. But, I mean, they, they definitely want to take away private land ownership for most people uh, moving forward, uh, especially starting with the younger generations now. Uh, they, they want to get it out of their head to expect that. And, and, and so, I mean, I don't think they want to set a precedent like that in, in this country, you know, you know, no matter what the peoples. Um, so, yeah, even if it's not Americans who they treat even less uh, <laughs> on their, on their, on their um, judgment. But so, yeah, I, I mean, if it happens, they certainly wouldn't want it to continue uh, on and on and on. 
Um, if anything, they want to move everyone toward mega cities, right? Oh, absolutely, and that is their plan, Richard. They're they're right on top of that thing. Uh, Stephen, your thoughts, sir? Thanks, uh, Richard. Yeah, they want to herd us into the smart city. They put the militarized drones around to keep us out of their land, just like they want to keep us out of their land. They see us as bugs in their food, basically. That's the attitude these people have, and these the treaty that was made uh, uh, with these people. You know, it, you know, they just turned right around, like you said, gives a whole new uh, meaning to Indian giver. I mean, that's that's probably where that all started, I guess. I don't know the whole history of that, but that makes sense that it's yours until, oh, wait, there's something on it we want. And then y'all can go live on Gaza until, oh, wait, we, we want the oil off the shore. And then we're going to build this canal or whatever, but just get away. You know, we want to build a, a seat, you know, go away, basically. The same way they did with that place in Hawaii. Go away. This is ours we are your rulers. That's basically the attitude I see these people have and the way that they're treating everybody around the world lately. I'm sick and tired of the American empire being associated with me. That's their quote unquote enforcers around the world, like the military and the hunger games is what they, they are like that, that that's the way they really look to the rest of them. Thanks for having me, Mike. Oh gosh, guys, we've had so much fun. We're at the end of the evening and folks support RBN. Thanks to my panel for being here. Good night, everyone. once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach or a favorite song from the past or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. 
It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To learn more about this amazing breakthrough, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. truth.